Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 250, and today we'll be talking about Do You Have Any More in the Back from OKKO. I'm GC13. And I'm David. And we're not going to say anything else about it, but wow, 250 episodes. That's so many episodes. We just keep making them, even when Steven Universe isn't airing. Pat on the back for Lunar Seaspire. I mean, we, we have a pretty large universe of Steven Universe-related content now. We have not just the show and the comics, but we have OKKO and Craig of the Creek to, you know, keep us regular. Not to mention, if you hunt through the backlog, we even cover all the Adventure Time episodes that Rebecca Sugar yep. boarded, so... We should, we should get back to that. Yeah, we didn't actually ever finish that, but her episodes are probably more relevant to Steven Universe than even the episodes boarded by the Crooniverse family. I, I do like showcasing what Ian and Matt and Ben have been up to, because they were pretty high up on the show as well. Oh, absolutely. Plus, plus I really like Craig of the Creek and OKKO. OK yeah, same. And speaking of OKKO, OK uh, do you have any more in the back reveals to not us, but KO that Rad is... Only an okay person. <laughs> the the pit at the end with the mimic was so great because like everyone watching is like, oh boy, I wonder which red is the real one. And he, even Ko is able to figure it out. Like Enid can tell. Obviously, she's like, okay, Ko, just think. And he's like, yeah, okay. There's no like twist either. Like actually, somehow Rad did learn his lesson. You know, Ko gets the really cold truth that Enid was completely right, and Rad is. A little selfish, a little too protective of his image, and kind of a jerk. <laughs> the fact that Rad had actually gone back for the map, though, does seriously redeem Rad in Ko's eyes. But not in this viewer's eyes, because it just seems like he could have, you know, he was going to just lie about knowing the way to get back, and he had the map. So I'm not sure why Enid or Ko is really satisfied that he went back for it, except that in, like, a very literal sense, it was something that he said he wasn't going to do, and then he did it. So that at least shows he can break his own character. You know, un unlike some people, Rad is able to admit failure, if not to anyone else, at least to himself. And that's the first step to self-improvement. In Rad's case, he didn't know about the layout of the back, or the however downs and backs there are. Uh, he improved his knowledge with a map. <laughs> The way that they explore this labyrinth is really interesting, but obviously fans will note the appearance of the Glorb Garden fountain the area. The Glorb Tree. Yes. The Tree of Glorbs to be, you know, particularly interesting. It's a very um, Stephen and the Stevens type reveal where, you know, similarly in that episode where we see some locations like the ocean floor without the water, which yeah. will be in a future episode without actually like having any context for it. We just see the Glorb tree, but you wouldn't even know it was significant except for the music is a little bit different than everywhere else. But, you know, it's just like, great, everything's randomly generated. And besides maybe one far out camera shot, you know, there's no real significance except for rewatching later. That's yeah. kind of a neat touch. And then you later on find out that this just one little tidbit is like the entire reason that that labyrinth and the plaza above are even there. Right. Well, and the same reason that, what's her name? Is it just Miss Mummy is down there? Uh, I think that's the only name she's ever given. Right. And so, you know, we later find out that she's not just a, you know, random RPG character down there. 
She's a very deliberately placed RPG character. I like the I, I like the scrolls she has hanging up on her room. It's like a teenage girl who collects the magazine images of the whatever the male hunks that are being sold to the teenage girls of the of that given year. And she's got them for Egyptian deities. I also like how Rad, when he points out that it's a bathroom, there's actually more like irony to that than, um, you know, first meets the eye because, you know, the mummy is just kind of covered in toilet paper. <laughs> so, well, I mean, something the same color as the toilet paper. Right. Maybe she doesn't use actual toilet paper, although she seemed to be very comfortable with using it to add to her clothing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to accessorize. <laughs> And it matches her outfit, so it's perfect. I mean, I'm assuming she has to, like, change out the wrappings every now and then. But, you know, if she just keeps adding more, does she just keep growing in size? Maybe that's, like, another uh, part of her thing. There's there's probably a washing machine somewhere down there. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess if she's using cloth and not toilet paper, then you could actually wash it. So that was a deep dive into Miss Mummy's outfit. <laughs> yeah. The, the dig at playing, like, RPGs in a turn-based way... Was uh, poignant, but also a little hurtful. <laughs> I want to know what role-playing system he's using. Wasn't that a 20, a 6, and a 4 he rolled? Yeah, I'm not really sure why he had multiple dice. Like, I, yeah, I have no idea. That's not... I, like... I mean, there would be nothing stopping you from making a system where you did that, but I don't know of any where you do. No, I think he's just an ultra nerd, which is why he got an ultra punch to the face. Yeah, he's, he's probably got his own role-playing system that he's made. You know, one of those ridiculously complicated things that makes no sense to anyone but its creator. <laughs> Except he expected everyone to know that that was the most noble fighting. <laughs> I mean, he posted the thousand page summary in the hall. And if they're, you know, not interested enough to read it, that's their problem. Oh, speaking of the hall, did you notice the totally weird use of CGI for the hallway when Ko is riding on Enid's back? Yeah, and they're talking about Rad. That jumped out at me this time. Watching that was it. such a shortcut. You could definitely draw a wall at that angle very simply. I'm not sure why they chose to draw a texture instead to animate the hallway because it just stood out so much. And I honestly don't recall that much CGI work in this show. Usually everything sticks really close to looking drawn, even vehicles and stuff, you know? They might have been going for the specific look that that gave, because that was very distinct. Yeah, I mean, unless it's supposed to look video gamey or something, but the scene doesn't last that long and it doesn't connect to anything else. I don't know, like, OKKO is a cartoon and loves the fact that it's a cartoon, so they, they that might have been the specific appearance they wanted, and so they went for that appearance. I mean, it's not like it would be the first time that it was some really obscure reference that I didn't know what it was to, or it's not obscure, but I just know no references. I know no media, unless it's in the Steven Universe family. Much like the uh, in-the-dark, shadowy fight scene that happens with the... <laughs> um electric bean or was it a mimic except then the mimic wasn't there once the enid turned the yeah. lights on you know i'm sure that was besides just being one of many cool examples of doing like a fighting with shadows in animation it seemed like with the music it was in reference to something specific was it like james bondy or something else i have no idea but it was cool yeah i liked it i liked the the fact that ko needed that 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 whole fight they had 
where it looks like they're getting the upper hand and then it turns out the mimic just swallows them. <laughs> yeah, the mimic is pretty OP with the ability to just like continually reform and also just eat its opponents. Yeah, and then of course we we get the the non-ending ending where it's like, "Oh, hey, mimic attack." Just, you know, classic. Yeah, that's I I feel like there should be a name specifically for this sort of like ABABA thing that happens at in some like jokes uh, with OKKO where it's like, oh, we're we made it back. So like it's positive. And then, oh, you didn't get my shaving cream negative. And then KO. No, I have the shaving cream and then negative again. So I guess like an ABAB thing that goes positive, negative, like uh, it's a really good way to do beats because it kind of beats the like rule of thirds that you would expect, like jokes coming in like quantity, like three things. But instead, you get a fourth thing that subverts your expectations again. I don't know. They might overuse it a little bit, but it's entertaining. I mean, hey, it's part of what makes an episode feel like an OKKO episode, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but they really like doing it at the end of episodes, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. Speaking of OKKO, being a cartoon and loving the fact that it's a cartoon, I I know I've mentioned this in one of our previous discussions of OKKO, but I really like Enid's back in 11 minutes when she A, pulls the window down when there's no need for there to be a window. It's just there because it's a cartoon gag. But, you know, the 11 minutes is specifically a reference to how long an OKKO episode is. (laughs) I liked, I always like it when they do that. Um, I think I called this out. Just like Squidward's, why must every 11 minutes of my life (laughs) be filled with misery? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. SpongeBob is what like made me aware as a kid of cartoon meta humor. Like I could, as a kid, remember the like, three episodes like three specific quotes uh where they call out 11 minutes 11 minutes specifically but yeah squidwards is memorable yep i mean because really aren't we all squidwards (laughs) if you think you're a spongebob you're definitely a squidward unless you're a patrick yeah enid kind of pulls a little bit of a patrick in the middle of this this is a very okay ko joke just her burping in response to the shock of the mimic like attacking them or whatever she just like burps and it just happens in a second and i didn't you just, even notice that you've never seen that in a cartoon i promise and you won't see it again yeah it happened so fast you might have missed it like i swear it was a burp i, I could be wrong but i swear her mouth vibrates and she's like that just belches and that's perfect because it just totally fits enid's character too the way that they've you know set her up for these first whatever 12 episodes and uh, speaking of, you know, seeds that are still being laid for later episodes, uh, Enid being freaked out about corn. <laughs> yep, that's a very early, uh, very early placement. I mean, we still don't understand what's going on with, you know, corn and cob in <laughs> OKKO. OK it's just there. Right, like, is it religiously connected? Because we've sort of seen that the god of OKKO is is corn. Yeah, like, oh my cob! You know, does Enid have a complicated relationship to her spirituality? (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know if it'll ever go that deep. Unlike Gloops, who can be very deeply emotionally touched. I enjoyed (laughs) Rad's uh, quick thinking. You know, he may not know everything, but he is really good at BSing to KO when he's like but also Enid plays along with him for some of it she doesn't like try to really embarrass him in front of KO which is kind of a nice characterization for her oh yeah you know they're friends yeah she allows Rad to give her advice and you know you can touch Gloops just not physically yeah also don't feed them no unless you want to meet ship damage in which case okay 
Well, you can feed their souls, just not their bodies. Yeah, that's dangerous. And, and of course, Enid, what with her ninjiness, gets the awesome action in this in her one scene. I mean, other than the fight scene, obviously. What with uh, rescuing them from the elevator that she, like, shamed Rad into having them take. (laughs) There's very rarely powers that Enid shows that she never uses again, but I'm pretty sure I've never seen that autumn power that makes her I mean, it's it's related to her ability to turn into wood, I think. But yeah, I'm trying to think of her ever making leaves, and I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, it's tree-related. That one goes the closest to an early hint at witchcraft as compared to ninja-ry. Ninjality? <laughs> if either of those are words. I don't think so. I think we just coined them. But still, I'm always down for Enid showing off some ninjality. <laughs> just like whenever Rad's gotta be super buff, he's there. Yeah, also, I know that I, I just love calling out quotes, but, um, yeah, K.O. having to get back to his spaghetti. Yes, that one really sticks out for me. I'm gonna miss that spaghetti. And then the, I gotta be back home in, at five, because that's when I eat spaghetti. Yeah, it's just the perfect little, I don't know. I wish I had words for all these. I'm sure there is in comedy different terms, because I wish, I, I kind of want to know, like, the, just the variety at which they execute different types of jokes in this show is interesting to me so maybe i should go read up about comedy for the next time we cover a ko episode but like the just simplicity of that joke makes it so funny that he's like i gotta make it back home and you're like he's a little kid but then like such an innocent food like spaghetti is just like a silly food well it's his Uh, favorite (laughs) and it is his favorite and i feel like we hear that in other episodes too i i can't remember specifically but i don't think this is the only time spaghetti is brought up for comedic effect. Yeah, wasn't wasn't that in the Galaxy Truffle episode as well? Oh, I loved that one. Beardo. <laughs> Beardo is so cool. Not enough Beardo in the show. No. Like, I'm not saying that he deserves a spinoff series or anything, but, you know, <laughs> a couple more Spotlight episodes. I mean, because he really carried that episode quite well. He they, they proved that they know what to do with him in an episode. Yeah, I think his voice actor is really entertaining, too. Mm, but... Back to, back to this. Back to spaghetti. I mean, five o'clock's an awfully early dinner. <laughs> yes, a very childishly early dinner. I mean, he does probably have to be in bed by like nine, so he can't be eating too late. Yeah. So all in all, no one really learns a lesson, which is typical <laughs> of KO. Um, you know, well, I, I think... don't, I mean, Rod does not grow from this, right? Uh... Rad takes longer. I mean, I guess the fact that he even went back for the map in the first place is kind of some implicit growth. Because Rad's kind of a project at this <laughs> point in the series. He really, really is. I mean, he still is as protective of his image as ever, really, even in modern episodes. But he has chillaxed a lot and he catches himself sometimes. But this definitely feeds into how the show treats KO, which is even though he's a silly kid, who wants a spaghetti, he has to deal with the fact that he almost, in for most of the show, lives in an adult world. And he really takes the adult lessons to heart. He does not really childishly fight against lessons ever for more than the length of an episode. So it's really interesting to see how he accepts something about Rad, but also it doesn't like end up being destructive for him or anything. At least not yet. We haven't seen KO's bad side yet. But yeah, I mean, yeah, kids, kids got kids got a little bit of a darkness to him. Thank you, uh, shadowy figure for bringing that to the fore. 
another Glorb Tree-related event. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Do You Have Any More in the Back? Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us uh, a review somewhere. Anywhere. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening. Leave it on a bathroom wall. (laughs) Yeah.